Hey, I'm Elizabeth Willits and I'm obsessed with helping as many women as possible achieve their boldest dreams after kids and helping you to navigate this messy and magical season of life. I'm a working mum with over 17 years of recruitment experience and I'm the founder of the Investing in Women job board and community. In this show, I'm honoured to be chatting with remarkable women, redefining our working world across all areas of business. They'll share their secrets on how they've achieved extraordinary success after children, set boundaries and balance, the challenges they faced and how they've overcome them to define their own versions of success. Shy away from the real talk? No way. Money, struggles, growth, loss, boundaries and balance. We cover it all. Think of this as coffee with your mates, mixed with an inspiring TED talk, sprinkled with the career advice you wish you'd really had at school. So grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine, make sure you're cozy and get ready to get inspired and chase your boldest dreams or just survive Mondays. This is the Work It Like a Mum podcast. This episode is brought to you by Taylor & Francis, a global publishing company that believes in doing things differently. Taylor & Francis are looking for people with a variety of skills to help them grow and transform their internationally renowned business during an exciting time of change. You'll help set the pace in the world of digital publishing and work with thousands of authors to make top quality research accessible to more people all around the world. And you don't have to have previous experience in publishing to do so. In return, they can offer you excellent benefits, including a flexible work-life balance, great training and a fantastic place to work. They've a wide range of roles in their editorial, production, marketing, commercial and technology teams. So whatever stage you're at in your career, start a journey of discovery and learn all about our many different career opportunities. Find your next role at Taylor and Francis at taylorandfrancis.com forward slash careers. Now back to the show. Hello and welcome to this week's Work It Like a Mum podcast episode. Today, I'm delighted to be chatting with Hannah Wilkins, who is a partner at the law firm Eversheds Sutherland. Hannah recently returned from maternity leave and now works four days a week. We're going to be chatting about her experiences as a working mum and her experiences as a working parent champion within Evershed Sutherland's gender network and what she feels parents need to feel supported and thrive in their careers. We'll also be touching on client travel after children and how she manages it all. Thank you so much, Hannah, for joining me today. I'm really excited to chat with you, learn more about your experiences and also learn more about the gender network as well and what you're doing with that network to help parents at Evershed Sutherland. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, looking forward to our our discussion. I'm really excited. So you're a lawyer, is that right, at Evershed? Is that the area that you work in? Yeah, Yeah, that's right. So I spent my whole career at Evershed. So I trained here, so I started in 2004 and just worked my way up basically through the career ladder at Evershed Sutherland. So yeah, I became a partner in 2016. And then had my daughter in uh, last year, 2021, well, two years ago now. So she's almost, she's just coming up to two, she'll be two in March. So I came back from maternity leave in January last year. So I've been back about a year now. Brilliant. And what area of law do you specialise in? 
So I um, work within our labour and employment practice group. And for the last kind of 10 years or so, so I'm an employment lawyer by trade, a UK employment lawyer by trade. But for the last 10 years or so, I've focused my practice on international employment law. So I help our global corporate clients, often headquartered in the US with their global employee workforces. So wherever they are based across the world. Wow. And in your job, do you sort of hear actually, I mean, we can talk a little bit about this, a lot of like discrimination against particularly working mums. Is that something you come across? Absolutely. I think that there has been a lot of positive change, certainly over the last probably five years. There's obviously just so much more awareness now and so much more, I think, desire to support uh, working parents generally. And the law has kind of progressed. So you see a lot of changes, particularly across Europe in terms of protecting working parents, all parents, so adoptive parents. Lots of countries now are also looking at kind of protection in relation to fertility rights as well, which is kind of a newer concept. But yeah, there's al- there's always more to be done. And I think there is kind of a variety of levels of protection, but also kind of cultural acceptance, cultural kind of norms when it comes to parenthood in various different countries around the world, certainly around kind of lengths of parental leave and kind of what happens when people come back to work and who who are the main carers? Is it is it dad? Is it mum? So yeah, lots of difference. But yeah, lots of change and lots of positive steps, definitely. But yeah, I think I think there is more that everyone could and should probably be doing. And how do you think the UK sort of fares in amongst that? You know, if you were sort of put looking at a league table in terms of the laws that protect parents, where's the UK sort of sitting in that? We're pretty good in terms of protection of parents, particularly in relation to length of maternity. So if you look across Europe, excluding the Nordics, which ha- who have really, really long kind of maternity parental leave periods, we're pretty good. So you look at kind of some of the kind of Germany, um, France, certainly Italy, and we have longer maternity periods. So we've done certainly well in that. I suppose the kind of challenge maybe is the kind of culture maybe that we have within some kind of UK businesses in terms of the hours and just like how that is manageable from a kind of parental perspective. But I think there is definitely more kind of cultural acceptance in the UK of dads taking shared paternity leave and parental leave much more now in, you know, in the last couple of years. I think that we've really seen an increase in that, which is obviously great for working mums. Oh, that's really interesting. So it's interesting to know that actually from a maternity leave perspective, we do fare quite well. And I suppose you you read about America and they have really short periods of maternity leave. Really, really short periods. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, some parts of Asia and things. So, yeah, there's, there's kind of a mixed approach across the world, really. But I would say, as I mentioned, there is definitely a focus and certainly some countries have legislated recently to really kind of increase their protection particularly around adoptive parents and those going through fertility treatments. Do you think that's next for us then? I mean I know there's obviously protections for adoptive parents but there's not much around fertility and... Yeah potentially I think so we have a fertility policy and I think lots of businesses do which provide us kind of a certain level of protection and a certain level of kind of entitlements in terms of time you might need off, which you you might not need if you've kind of conceived in the kind of the normal way, usual way. So I don't know. I think the problem currently with our government is obviously we've had a 
number of different prime ministers over the last period. I'm not sure, and there's, you know, there's in the current economic climate, I'm not sure that fertility rights is necessarily going to be that high on the agenda in terms of legislative protection. But that's not to say that lots of businesses aren't looking at it because it's just a good way to ensure that women kind of remain in the workplace. So I think it's definitely worth looking at. And actually, maybe seeing if you're, you know, you work for a company, seeing actually if your company does have some form of fertility policy in place, because it may be that that is something that's been put in place. Yeah. And if you could wave a magic wand or you had like direct access to Rishi Sunak, and you could sort of say, I think this law, this legislation would really help reduce the gender pay gap in the UK. You know, I can see another country doing it and they're doing it really well. What would that be? I think the Nordics have a really, a really kind of advanced kind of approach to parental leave and also childcare. So they have a system whereby you can, either parent can take parental leave up until the child is five, and it's kind of long periods of parental leave. And then the second element is definitely childcare. Again, across Europe, we do not fare as well in terms of the cost of childcare. It's much more expensive in the UK than it is in other countries. And I think that obviously has a, a huge impact on particularly working mothers, I think, in terms of when they're deciding when to go back to work, particularly if you have a number of children just whether it's financially viable for you because of the cost of childcare. So I think that is something that would really drive the retention of women in the workplace if, if there could be more government funding in relation to that. And is that fed through like into the gender pay gap in the Nordics? That they release reports like we do, but they got... They don't tend to do as much tracking in Europe. But yes, I think it probably does. I think there is probably a more diverse workforce in certain parts of Europe where there is just easier and cheaper access to childcare particularly in those formative years. Really, yeah. Sounds like, you know, we might have the maternity leave, that bit sussed, but it's all that post bit, particularly that post bit until, you know, you're waiting, aren't you, a long time for your three hours to kick in and then for your child to start school and then you've got the long summer holidays. Exactly. I think that's right. I think there's the kind of the early years childcare, which is a point, I think probably varies in kind of quality and availability across the country. Certainly, that's the first part and also is just expensive in this country. Unless probably in the US, they have lots of kind of company supported crashes, nurseries in big organizations. It's not something we have as much of in this country. So I think that definitely has an impact in terms of retention, certainly in uh, of women in the workforce. But also, I think then when your children, not something I've kind of, uh, the challenge that I've faced yet, but I know when Charlotte, my daughter goes to school, then it's a whole other range of challenges because of the hours. And so again, I think that childcare kind of wraparound care around school hours is definitely something again, that would help retain women in the workforce. Yeah. So you work four days a week now. Is that something you've done since you had Charlotte or were you doing that before or? So I worked full time before. So obviously, the world has changed a little bit because I had Charlotte in the middle of the pandemic. In fact, I left the office on the 18th of March 2020, not pregnant, and then returned to the office after the end of my maternity leave. So I kind of missed that whole sort of that pandemic homeworking. So the world has changed a little bit. But yes, I worked five days previously. And then when I came back for the first four months, I worked 70%. And then I went up to 80% in April after I returned in the January. And that was really around kind of trying to help me kind of flex back into the kind of working life. But also I was still feeding my daughter at that point. And I really needed that extra kind of support and time. 
So yeah, I decided to stop feeding her when she was about 14 months. But yeah, that really, having that kind of additional time for the first four months definitely helped us to continue that. Hello to all our listeners. This is Elizabeth Willits, your host of the Work It Like a Mum podcast and founder of the Investing in Women job board and recruitment site. And I'm here today to tell you all about our transformative career coaching services. Whether you're returning to work, climbing the corporate ladder or seeking a complete career change, our coaching is designed for anyone aspiring to make a significant impact in their professional life. We offer personalised guidance on crafting standout CVs that tell your unique story, effective strategies for nailing your next job interview, and expert tips on optimising your LinkedIn profile to attract the right opportunities. And here's the best part. As a valued listener, you'll get an exclusive 10% discount. Just use the code WORKITLIKEAMUM when you book your session. Visit us at investinginwomen.co.uk forward slash career coaching services to start your journey towards career success. Let's work together to achieve your professional dreams with the Investing in Women Career Coaching Services. Yeah. So we talked a bit about like the cost of childcare helps retain particularly women in the workplace. I mean, how important do you think flexible working is? And when I say flexible working, it could include job shares, part-time, four days a week, compressed hours. How important do you think that is at retaining, you know, supporting parents at work? Oh, I think it's essential. Absolutely essential. And I think, I think the pandemic has changed the world for the better in that respect, because you know, within a month, the whole world pretty much was working remotely. And so it just shows what is possible. And I'm not sure that the world will ever be able to kind of row back from that, really. And rightly so. So my kind of normal pattern is I do two to three days in the office and then a day at home, which, again, really, really helps kind of just allow me to kind of manage our lives at the moment. And my travel is also reduced. So because of just the fact that everyone is kind of working a lot more kind of remotely and more meetings are done online. And so, yeah, that flexibility, certainly from a personal level, has absolutely allowed me to continue to do my job. And so, yeah, I think it's absolutely essential. I think it certainly would be far more challenging if I was in the office and often in London for often five days a week. It would make life a lot more challenging, certainly. You've made a really good point, actually, about the meetings that moved online. And also can fit so many more meetings into a day because you don't have to account for the travel time between. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And so I've always traveled a lot with my job and we'll probably come on and talk about that. But And I still travel kind of transatlantically a lot. But the thing that's really made an impact for me and made a change for me is that, yeah, I'm traveling a lot less to London. So pre-pandemic, it would be at least a couple of days a week. And then also a lot less European travel. So, and I think some of that would kind of still, we might get back to higher levels of European travel, but I think I'm not sure we'll see us going back to the levels that we had pre-pandemic because it is so many meetings can be done on the line. And as you say, it just removes that travel time. Yeah. And in t- you hear a lot about like, I don't know if this might probably not necessarily ever shed Sutherland's, but other law firms, there's a lot, you know, the wraparound meetings. So there's a lot of socialising in the evening that you read about within the sector. You know, what impact is that still something that's happening um, post-pandemic? And what impact do you think that has on parents' careers? Yeah, I think it's less, definitely, since the pandemic. I think personally in my area, there was always less of that. 
So generally, as employment lawyers, there tends to be kind of more networking events kind of during the day. There isn't quite the same kind of culture as kind of evening meetings or evening socializing that you might have in other areas of the law and certainly other professions. So me personally, that has not necessarily been a challenge. But I also think more generally, there is less of that, definitely. You know, we all got used to the kind of quizzes, online wine tasting, didn't we, during the pandemic. And I think that all businesses have seen that an element of that can be done, can be done remotely, can be done online. And so I think we'll see less of that, which, you know, can definitely, you know, will definitely help working parents. But I suppose there is still some and there will be more in other areas of different professions. And I suppose it's just how you you kind of sign up for, I suppose, when you kind of return as a working parent in terms of what your expectations are and what you kind of set your expectations with your company, employer, your firm are in terms of what you're going to attend and how and what kind of impact that might have on you and your team, et cetera. So I think there's less of it, which is definitely helpful, but I think there is still kind of work to be done around that. And I think there's an opportunity just to kind of set expectations when you return as a parent in terms of what you you can and you're able to do. Yeah. Obviously, people would feel nervous if they didn't attend events that they would be overlooked and they might not get that promotion. And what would you say to somebody that's going in back to work, maybe feeling a bit nervous about setting those boundaries? I would say think about what your ideal is. Kind of really think, even if you think that's not going to be accepted, really think about your ideal. And then I think just go and talk to your boss about what might be possible. And you might be pleasantly surprised. My boss is is an employment lawyer. So in some respects, I'm lucky. And she's, you know, a working parent herself. And so, you know, she's been incredibly supportive. So, So I am lucky. I think that would be my best advice. Really think about what you think you can do. Talk to your business about what you think might be possible. And you might have to negotiate. And then on a day to day basis, I think I would say, you have to pick and choose sometimes. You have to really think, okay, is the most strategic event that I can attend, that I need to attend? Are there ones that maybe I don't attend? And I think you just have to, you have less time. So I think you have to just prioritize a little bit in terms of what do you think is going to be the most beneficial for you, your business, your team, and try and focus on it that way. I think you've made a really good point because, do you know, what? I've worked with, you know, working moms in the past before I had children. And they were the most productive people I worked with because they were just so focused. You know, they go in, they're quite ruthless with their time and you have to be, don't you? And they don't waste time. You know, I, this is before I kids, so we'd all go off to the kitchen, spend hours making teas and having a gossip. But they are, you have to be quite ruthless, don't you, with your time and focused. You do, definitely. And I've had loads of great role models because I've kind of grown up through my firm. I think particularly because I'm an employment lawyer, so employment law tends to, there tends to be more female employment lawyers than there are maybe in other areas of the law or other professions. But yeah, I've seen absolutely lots of kind of colleagues and partners now with working children and kind of how they've approached it. I think think the good and the bad. So I think I was going into it with my eyes open in terms of absolutely the positives, in terms of the productivity, being really focused, really kind of being objective in terms of what you're going to kind of contribute to but then also the kind of some of the you know some of the negatives you know maybe some of the missed opportunities or the missed time with children or the how potentially some of the kind of career delays as well you know taking a bit longer to get maybe where others who haven't had children kind of have got to so I think that was really positive for me because I really kind of 
went into with my eyes open and also was able to think about what I thought I needed to make kind of our lives homework, but also what I thought would work from a business perspective and then and then ask for that. But I think that was because I had so many role models, which I completely appreciate. Maybe others don't in other parts of the professional world. Has your definition of success changed since you've had Charlotte? That's an interesting one. Yes, I think probably. I think there's an element, isn't there, to begin with, where you just you want to just keep everyone alive. So that's definitely And you're like, yeah, winning, we're all still here. <laughs> winning at life. So yes, I think so. I think probably others would say I ran pretty hard at my career before I had Charlotte. I think probably it's more of a steady pace now. And my boss is always saying to me, you know, your career it's a long time and it doesn't always have to be a sprint. And actually it's better if it's not always a sprint for everyone, not just working parents, because, you know, that's where you kind of risk burnout. So I think probably I'm a bit more considered now in terms of how much I can achieve in a period, you know, kind of a year kind of performance period. And therefore what my definition of success looks like within that period, because I don't want to miss Charlotte growing up. I was older when I had Charlotte, I was 41 when I had Charlotte. And I don't, you know, I really, we really value the opportunity we had to have her have the older parents. So I don't want to miss her growing up. So I do success means making sure that I have time with her each week as well, as well as being able to achieve what I need to at work. So have you consciously set any boundaries so you can have that time with her? So Monday is my non-working day. And obviously I was, I had some nervousness when I returned as to, how well I would be able to protect that day. As lawyers, obviously, we work in a service industry. So a key part of our role is servicing our clients and making sure that they kind of get client service excellence. So I was kind of anxious about how well I would be able to protect that day and keep meeting this client kind of expectations and client service. But actually, I've been really pleasantly surprised in that. I do set an out of office to make sure like people are aware that I'm not in the office, which isn't something I think probably my kind of female colleagues might have done maybe five years ago who had working, who had children. But actually, you know, clients have been completely accepting of it. They were completely accepting of my maternity leave when I told them about that. And they were, you know, completely accepting of of my non-working day. So I do really try and protect that day. And then the other thing is kind of what we mentioned earlier. So trying to protect balance. So I am at least home, working from home at least one other day. That allows me then to do kind of pick up one day because most days I try and do drop off, but then my husband does pick up. But if I'm at home one day, then I can pick up from nursery. Yeah, that's nice. And you've joined the Gender Network. Was that something you joined on your return from maternity leave? Yeah. So the firm, there are, we have kind of huge diversity networks generally, the Gender Network being one of them but obviously definitely not the only one. And as part of the gender network, then there are various different kind of groups that sit under that. One of them is the working parents group that sits under the gender network. So yeah, that's something that I've joined since I returned. I was obviously aware of the kind of gender network previously as a fairly senior female within the business and had supported kind of some events in terms of trying to retain female employees within the workforce. But the working parents element of the gender network is definitely something that I've been more involved in since I came back from maternity leave. And that is, it's great because there's a small group that kind of focus on it and they kind of lead that part of the gender network. And we've on a number of different kind of initiatives specifically focused on working parents, 
you know, there's various other things that you wouldn't necessarily appreciate until you come back to work as a working parent in terms of things that we can just feed back to the firm on in terms of things that maybe need to change. So, and it's a mixed group. So it's partners, it's non-partners, it's members of HR, it's different people within the business. Anyone can be a part of it. And that also helps because it brings a kind of quite a diverse uh, set of voices to kind of changes that the firm could be making. Yeah. So what do you, do you meet weekly, monthly? How often do you? Yeah. So we meet monthly unless there's kind of something coming up. So we put on a, an event over kind of late summer, beginning of the autumn, specifically around kind of working parents. We had a panel. It was chaired by one of our senior partners within the business who's actually based in France around kind of, you know, some of the opportunities, some of the challenges, what the firm can be doing differently. And that was really, really well attended across the business. So we find it just gives a bit of a voice to people and connects you with maybe other individuals within the business that you might not have otherwise any kind of opportunity to kind of cross paths with. We've also got a series of like podcast briefings as well, telling different stories of different people within the business in terms of their approach to parenthood and their approach to kind of being a working parent and kind of what works, what doesn't work. So anyone can kind of go in and log on and listen to those. It's obviously a safe space, I suppose, for people that are in a similar situation or have a shared interest to talk about what their issues they're facing, what would help or what is helping them. Exactly. Yeah. And at all levels. So both people that are becoming parents and kind of all the challenges entails but then also you know there's lots of different people within the network who have older children and you know some of the challenges that comes with that and just just experience sharing really and and trying to I suppose trying to make it better trying to make it better for the next generation trying to as I said there's all sorts of things that the firm is entirely open to adjusting changing maybe just haven't thought about it so it's just really to help drive that change. And you meeting virtually or face to face now? Yeah, we meet virtually in part because we're an international group. So it's not just lawyers or colleagues that are in the UK. We're across a, a number of different jurisdictions. So and I think that helps as well because it gives a slightly different perspective. So again, we can hear from some of our kind of European colleagues in terms of what working what's working for them and you know, maybe how they do things differently and some of the challenges in some of the other parts of the world as well. So what are the benefits do you think to an organization of having diversity groups obviously you've got a few running retention definitely is the key one retention and making sure that we maintain and I suppose increase the diversity across our business giving a space for people as you've mentioned so people really feel like they have a voice that there is an ability to kind of feedback just giving a sense of community as well to people who you know, whatever their kind of background, it's certainly in a in an organization as the size of ours, there will be somebody else that has kind of experienced similar background or similar challenges to you. And so it's just trying to kind of connect those individuals so they feel more supported. And obviously you work with lots of different companies. You must go into different firms and think, wow, that's really good. I really like that policy. So talk me through some of the really good policies that maybe you've Evershed Sutherland's doing or other companies that have done to help retain parents in the workplace and help them to thrive? So I think, as I said, I think we're doing a pretty good job at Evershed with the various different initiatives. I think the fertility policy is a great one, definitely. And I think that is something that we'll see more of. The other things that I've seen, again, particularly from a US perspective, the ability to have childcare in or around your office, I think is absolutely huge, definitely encourages retention. I think the paid 
paternity, parental, maternity leave. So obviously we have a we have a different system in the UK from a statutory perspective, but there's all sorts of things that companies can do in, to enhance. And I've certainly seen some really fairly generous policies across various different organisations. And I think increasingly now ensuring that they can be split and ensuring that there is a culture to allow those to be split. I think that's the thing. I think increasingly there is kind of acceptance that maybe dads are going to take three, four, however long out months out. But I think that really does need to be encouraged by organizations and some of the organizations that have really managed to kind of get that nailed, I think really see kind of strong retention within the workforce. I think probably just having great role role models as well. That's the other thing. I think having really good role models that you can see have progressed within the business and them kind of sharing their stories. That certainly helped me within the firm and in clients that I've worked with that certainly helped kind of other organizations yeah I think they're the kind of key things that I would say I think you're right and I think it is so important to have role models and to see people that are managing to sort of do it all but you know in a way that resonates with you and and you feel comfortable with yeah and I think a level of honesty as well in terms of you know I'm, I'm not sure kind of maybe five ten years ago we would have necessarily had that level of honesty in terms of you know there are challenges and it is hard sometimes and you don't necessarily have to do it like the men. You can do it in a different way. So I think increasingly we're seeing that. And again, in organizations I've worked with where there is that level of honesty, I think there is better attention, definitely. That's really, really good advice. Thank you so much, Hannah, for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you, to learn more about your experiences and also absolutely fascinating to learn what's happening in the wider world as well when it comes to gender equality. So thank you so much for giving us all your insights today. Not at all. My pleasure. Really lovely to speak to you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Work It Like a Mum podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review and subscribe. And don't forget to share the link with a friend. If you're on LinkedIn, please send me a connection request at Elizabeth Willett and let me know your thoughts on this week's episode. You can also follow my recruitment site, Investing in Women, on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, keep on chasing your biggest dreams.